One, two, there it is, boom. Three people were live, we just saw the notes, man, this is the first two times. First time live ever. What are we talking about right, today? Right, today, dude, we're talking UV sterilizers, right? We're gonna go over all kinds of different stuff, man. But uh, we're gonna make sure that at the end of this, man, you know more about UV sterilizers than ever before. There's uh, experiments going on behind us that we're gonna talk about. All this cool, I mean, I'm gonna call it Neptune Orange. So hopefully Terrence close. is around, uh, he'll, uh, you know, get all excited about it because he hasn't actually seen this stuff yet. It's pretty awesome. All right, so, uh, we're gonna share, man, what a UV sterilizer actually does. I got some notes down here. Uh, what it does in a reef tank, uh, we're gonna share the experiment that's going on behind us. And at the end, we're gonna give away 500 bucks to a preferred reefer. Really close to 500. He almost made 500, oh. but it's like right at the cusp. But okay, yeah, just short of absolutely. it. Yeah, that means you're gonna have to wait to the end now. Uh, <laughs> all right, so that's the end. All right, so along the way, man, let's uh, make sure that everybody answer all the questions you might have about UV sterilizers, because we'll answer it. Uh, and uh, if you got anything like input too, I'm gonna ask Dave today, if you see people just throw in cool comments about their experience with uh, the or with the UV sterilizer, yeah. man, throw that in too, man, and uh, we can read it off and talk about it. not just questions, but also the value that the community adds to all this stuff. So, all right, man. What do we know about? What do I know about UV sterilizers? Yeah. Mm, it's probably about this much. Uh, I mean, all the research I've ever I was doing, setting up a new reef tank, and you hear all of this awesome gear and stuff, and then UV sterilizer pops up, and I'm like. All right, that's a cool piece of equipment. What does it do? Uh, I've heard fish disease is kind of one that I've heard. Is it prevent fish disease? Does it cure fish disease? Kind of a heavy, heavily debated topic on whether or not it cures some things or not. Uh, cyano, ba bacteria, algae, you know, uh, dinos and stuff like that. I've heard that conversation around that also. Uh, but honestly, never personally put one on one of my own systems. It's a, it's a big cost. And I just don't really know much about it, I guess. I didn't know much about it. This is my experience with uh, reading about UV sterilizers in the beginning. Somebody says, should I use a UV sterilizers? And it's bam, bam, hit them down. Like, uh, I mean, like, just, just make sure that, like, nobody ever talks about it again. Uh, I mean, it's really, really terrible. Uh, there's, like, really no open mind to the whole thing and having an actual conversation uh, about it, what it does and what it doesn't do. Right. It's just really, really opinionated. I would call it one of the most hot topics possible and it's totally totally uncomfortable for most people yeah. to even talk about it because a dozen people will jump in and say it's just total garbage yeah i wonder why that is whether it's like cost of the thing because some of these things could be there's different scales of cost on the uv sterilizer depending on which ones you're looking at uh i wonder if it's just the unknown of what it does because it's not like uh it's not like an algae treatment i guess where i like like fluconazole for instance I know I can put that in the tank and visibly see results. Like, can I get the same from a UV sterilizer? Maybe there's an unknown, that's why it's so heavily debated. I don't know. I'd say there's a few different reasons why it's heavily debated. Because most of the stuff that's sold to the industry is a toy. It is not designed to work. It's designed to sell stuff. Ah. So, like, uh, it's like another filter for the tank, you know? So, uh, there's a reason. It doesn't work. Uh, so, that's part of the reason. Uh, they also need to be installed in a very specific manner to have any type of function at all. Oh, yeah. And most of the time, they're not designed or installed in that fan manner. Also, there are some articles out there by some, uh, you know, uh, very intelligent scientists and biologists out there that say they have pretty limited value in hmm. a closed loop system like this. So there's also people that will say the exact opposite, complete however, opposite. and uh, a complete opposite. Yeah. And so yeah. one of those things is, you know, if you go looking for people to agree with you, you will find them in every case yeah uh, you know yeah. so if you choose your news source based on what they tell you instead of uh, the credibility uh, and go into it with open mind uh, you'll probably get what you're looking for right? okay all right all right so let's just hit a couple of these questions real, real quick man before we move on yeah this first one that came in yep. from Omar was awesome it's like well brand new system uh, what's the when's the best time to turn on your sterilizer should mm. you wait till after the cycle now in my mind I'm thinking uh, yeah, why wouldn't you wait till after the cycle? The, when, when I'm thinking about the cycle process, I'm thinking bacteria, and when I'm thinking about UV sterilizer, I'm thinking about uh, neutralizing bacteria, sterilizing bacteria, and those two seem like they shouldn't be together. But I'm gonna go the other opposite, all the way, right? Uh, and then this is like goes against everything that you've ever been told, mm. which is don't run your use of UV sterilizer while you're cycling your tank. 
Uh, and the reality is, is you know, when I wouldn't do it like run it right after I dumped some Dr. Tim's or some Microbacter right. or whatever it's in free there. Floating. Yeah, yeah. So those are those are all free floating in the water, and you don't want to sterilize those guys. Uh, but uh, a short of that conversation. If I run my UV sterilizer, will it cause uh, the cycle to be longer? I don't know, maybe a, a little bit. Like, but is that my priority? The shortest possible cycle known to man? It was with my first tank. Yeah, it was. Yeah, this one, no. <laughs> you know, like my my now my tank is avoid all of the issues that people run into on their first tanks. And this will let me do that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's all kinds of new issues with tanks like cyano and dinos and all kinds of uh, LG issues and stuff. It won't solve all of them, but it will reduce them. And the reality is, is most of those bacteria that is going to cycle your tank live on a surface of something. They're yeah. not living free floating in the water where they're going to get sterilized. Yeah. They're populating the surface of the rock, sand and glass or biomedia, your ceramic media is like the... Uh, the marine piers um, and the export blocks, yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're are on the surface of those things, they're not swimming around the water. So it's not going to impact it the same way you think. Yeah, and I think the same holds true when people, because uh, I've heard a lot about, well, if I hook up a UV sterilizer, then does it kill my pod population and my copepods, my amphipods, my microfauna? But in the same breath, that's kind of where they live too. They're all in those structures and substrates and things like that. Two things. One, you're gonna need really, 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 really high powered one for that to happen and really, really long contact time for that to happen. Uh, because, I mean, the contact time already for bacteria and protozoa and stuff is pretty darn long, but a copepod or amphipod is like huge, man. So, yeah, so the bigger uh, the organism, the longer the contact you would need to sterilize it. It's at, uh, yeah. I mean, as a, as a rough guideline. Right, right, right. So, like, there is a, a probably not going to happen to the degree that you want. Will it reduce some of those things? Probably. But it will also help me eliminate the other things that I don't want in my <laughs> tank. So, you know, uh, and we're going to get to what exactly eliminates in a second, man. But, you know, I'll, let's just go into that right now, actually. Okay. So the first thing is, will it kill fish parasites like ick and all that kind of stuff and keep your tank free of yeah. ick? Give yeah. me your opinion. Uh, okay. So... If I were to set up a UV sterilizer right off the bat and then never experienced like uh, fish disease, bacterial, brucinellas, you know, maybe ick or maybe some other things, then I could have, I would say, I would say, you know, in a combination of like my fish choices and feeding habits and care and stuff, my UV sterilizer probably had something to do with that and I'll defend it. Like I'm going to say, ah, my UV sterilizer did that. But uh, if I hook up a UV sterilizer afterwards as a treatment, and then find that uh, it really didn't help cure, like it, that was my only approach to the cure. And it didn't do anything. And then I'm gonna start bashing UV sterilizers and be like, it doesn't work, it doesn't work for anything. Fish disease, no, it doesn't work. Um, but I think, I think preventative is probably what, where the conversation revolves around there. More so, so this is definitely one of those things, ounce of cure worth a uh, pound of, or ounce of prevention worth, worth a pound, pound of cure. cure. Yeah. Uh, and this is the thing, it will not stop an outbreak. You got ick, and if your knee jerk is to go and uh, get a UV sterilizer to prevent the parasite that lives on the fish and not in the water, mm. uh, well, get ready to be disappointed. It ain't gonna do, I would call it do nothing. Of zero value at all, don't go do it for that reason. <laughs> The only reason that you might do it that way is, you know what, this is going to be part of my preventative strategy right. for the future. Uh, and the reality is, is there's all kinds of ways to quarantine your fish and you may be good at it, but you're probably not. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm speaking of 80% of you out there, the 20% that's awesome at it, I'm not high five. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, for all of you that don't do it perfectly, this is part of a preventative strategy so you don't get there, uh, have the same problem. Now, here's where the you know real debate is, is in a closed loop system where the UV definitely cannot you know, sterilize all the water, because all the water does not go through that system every day. Just, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of it goes through it many, many, many times a day. Like 99.9% .9 of it has probably gone through it multiple times a day. Okay. But 1% of that water somewhere in the tank, and the parasites live on some surface, or they live on the fish, the stuff that's on the fish is not going through there. So the big question is, is will drastically reducing the population of ick 
you know, prevent an ick outbreak in, in the future or Velvet or Brook or any of those things. Mm. And there isn't a 100% uh, right or wrong answer to that. And if anybody says they know that for absolute sure, um, I'm not going to listen to them because nobody knows anything for absolute sure. So if they leave a window of this is why I believe this and uh, some supporting evidence to that, then man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen all, all, all day long. Okay. But if it's no, never, man, it'll never, ever, ever, ever work. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> I, I'm not going to listen to that, man, because I don't believe it. Right. And the other part of the reason I'm not going to believe it is uh, I often say when people ask how do you quarantine your fish and how do you, you know, treat fish for uh, illness and stuff. Don't listen to me, because I've done it dozens of times. Yeah. Go to the guy that works at a fish store who's done it thousands of times their, successfully. Their daily job. Daily That's job is do. treat and help fish live. That's the one right? I want to talk to. If they to. don't, inventory dies, they go out of business. Yeah, right? true. These are uh, people are successful at this. And so what I will tell you is that like almost every uh, wholesale fish, uh, where especially in the systems that actually care about the fish, uh, that it's uh, cost efficient to do so, have UV sterilizers on them, aquaculture facilities, uh, fresh and uh, salt water uh, have them, all kinds of zoos and universities that's, I've seen uh, that's the big run one them. For me, yeah, yeah and like the the uh, giant uh, uh, aquarium at the Mega Mall here, or yeah. Mall of America, as, as we call it. Uh, and that they run them on there, man. So like, almost everywhere I've ever been, where keeping the fish alive is what is the difference between profitability and going out of business, uses UV sterilizers. Yeah, true. So the people that do this for a living, a business, is tend to, and, and they've tried it all and implemented it and get past the science into. Oh, I've done it both ways, and this one consistently produces results for me. That's good enough for me. <laughs> it's definitely better than uh, listening to uh, you know a bunch of random people that read an article one day. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and so, and I've been one of those people reading the article one day, and I swallow it whole. Especially if it happens to be something I believe in, because I'm human too. But like, we just got to be uh, uh, keep our minds open to the things that are successful or not. So, uh, I will tell you this. I do not think, and I know I know this for a fact, that uh, putting the UV sterilizer will not solve your problem with a current outbreak. If you do that, just expect all the fish to die. It may be part of what will stop the problems in the uh, later on, Yeah. but better yet, it's what you put on there from day one mm. to help prevent the issue. And so the thing is 300 bucks. Do you put it on day one or not is the big question, right? Yeah, I mean, if in the case of the 750XXL, we didn't even add fish until like month two or three anyway. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't even have, I mean, we, we have used the sterilizer for like cloudy water and things like that. Uh, but we also sourced our fish. Uh, I don't know, because it's kind of like, do you source your fish from somebody like Elliot at uh, Marine Collectors who uh, does all that stuff for us and then I maybe I don't have to have a UV sterilizer? Uh, or do I even uh, start it on my own and go get fish that may or may not have disease. Like you probably but if you put if you combine all of those efforts together, selecting your fish in the in a place that already does this plus couple it with UV, you're just doubling or increasing your chances that you're just not going to run into a problem down the road. Just, you're just increasing the chances or decreasing. Yeah. So that's the big part here is you're just increasing or decreasing the chances uh, with this thing. So do not feel like anybody's like, oh man, I'm not taking care of my fish unless I go out and buy a UV sterilizer. Yeah. Do not feel that way. The only thing you can feel like is, you know what? I bought all the things that I want and now I got 300 bucks burning a hole in my pocket where I want to put it. <laughs> and like, you know, this is a hobby. You put gear on it. Yep. Uh, and so especially gear that helps protect the animals is probably the wisest investment. Also a wise investment that helps you protect, protect your tank from all kinds of pest stuff that we'll get to in just a second. Mm. Like you don't run into pests in the tank, it makes it owning the tank a lot more enjoyable. Oh yeah, I'll, absolutely. I'll tell you that for sure. For sure. Yeah, so if you got 300 bucks, I would say I would try to incorporate it in the beginning because plumbing it is actually a big pain in the butt. You know, getting a decent sized UV sterilizer incorporated into your system, and it does need to be big to work, yeah. uh, is not the easiest thing to do. Mm. So uh, I would try to do it from the beginning, but you can do it later if you want. So the second part of this thing is not that we get past the fish thing, you know, mm -hmm. which is debatable for sure. Yeah. This other part, I'm just not going to say is debatable at all. I've seen enough instances of it that uh, I believe this wholeheartedly. 
as uh, it helps solve bacterial issues in things like dianos, uh, cyano, mm -hmm. uh, and cloudy water, bacterial, and bacterial blooms. blooms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's no question that the UV sterilizer will help avoid some of those things. Again, it won't take the cyano that's already grown on our surface off the surface, but if you blow it off, it will help slow it down. The dinos, if you uh, go and do different things like blackout periods and other uh, implementations, it will stop it from respreading. It won't like be the solution, but like something with dinos, yeah. like you have to have like a multi-pronged yeah. attack at this. And there are enough people, I asked a question about it on the hashtag TV group uh, not too long ago. And there was just people after person after person after person that said they solved their dino problem with a UV sterilizer. Hmm. And like the dino problem doesn't just like poof usually. No, 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 so no, no, if no. I put a UV sterilizer on there and it goes away, I feel pretty darn confident that this is related to the ultimate solution. Yeah. I can tell you also uh, new tanks. Uh, new we, tanks, man. Oh, especially new bare bottom tanks too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, we found that in the case of the 750XXL firsthand, where uh, we had the tank running, you know, everything was running pretty good. Had a few fish in there that were just kind of uh, placement holder fish before we got our big fish in there, our big algae eaters and stuff. And when we increased the bio load, we also increased the bacterial Ooh. load. Big cloudy bloom in the tank. Uh, so we just put a UV sterilizer hanging off the side and come back like the next day, the next weekend or so, or after the weekend, come back, clear tank. Somewhere uh, we're gonna uh, hopefully show you in the tanks that are set up behind us in just a minute, we'll tell you about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, that was absolutely true. And I also saw the same thing in the tanks that were uh, in my office mm -hmm. with uh, the ULMs, that all these bare bottoms, like this was, bare bottoms were new to me. Like I, I always wanted sand, so I know like people taught bare bottoms, they never did it. Right. Now I see a lot of advantages to it, but like starting the tank brand new this way is definitely like way, 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 way less stable than with hmm. sand in it. There is no question. Yeah. And you know, the guys at WWC warned me about it and warned me, warned me, warned me. First year it sucks. And then after that, better state, more stable than not having a, or with sand. But I just see bacterial blooms. The water's cloudy. It, uh, like you can see some cyano and uh, mm -hmm. other stuff True. that like shows up. And then you turn on the UV sterilizer and there's no more bacterial bloom. It's just gone immediately. You won't deal with that. And so for me, like, uh, we didn't do the turn it on on, uh, I think it was the SPS tank in there, and we didn't turn it on. And uh, man, it was months, dude. I bet you six months of bacterial bloom, just cloudy. Not so cloudy that like it's like not viewable, but like just water just, just looks haze. murky, like yeah, haze. Yeah, yeah. And so I just dealt with that for six months. And you know, $300 to, to uh, not have to deal with it, I'll make it. Uh, uh, that is, uh, I just do it from the beginning. So okay. if I'm gonna start a bare bottom tank, I think I'm gonna just start off with a UV sterilizer right off the bat. Okay. I might put it somewhere where I can remove it later and yeah. sell it, but in all honesty, if it's solving my problems today, I'm gonna let it solve them later. And then the benefits for the fish is just ancillary. Yeah. You know, I'm just helping me avoid pests that like drive me nuts in the tank. This is something I would have, I would have been interested to see. I wish, kind of wish we did on the BRS-160 when removing the sand and things like that mm. and, and creating destabilizing events like where we saw after we removed the sand, here comes cyanobacteria all over the place and things like that. I'm just wonder, uh, wonder if that would have helped prevent it in some kind prevent of way. Prevent it in the beginning? Yeah, yeah absolutely, it been interesting. So we're gonna see that here, actually. Yeah. Again, experiments coming up. Uh, yeah, and so uh, <laughs> let's answer a couple of these questions, man, before we move on to that. Cool. Uh, retro reefs, if you're not using a flow meter, are you doing it wrong, or it's a statement, or you're doing it wrong? So yeah, there absolutely. are very specific flow rates for uh, protozoan levels, algae levels, bacterial levels, things like that, and uh, like the protozoan level are way less than think, the algae level. Yeah. So this is all about contact time. So how long does the uh, bacteria or protozoa or whatever need to be, or algae need to be in the reactor for this thing to work? Exposed and how many UV. times a day does it need to cycle for a given volume of water, right? right? If you get either one of those things wrong, it's not gonna work, yeah. right? I mean, you can fudge it a little bit, but like uh, if you're not paying attention to that, expect it to be garbage. So if the flow is too fast, you're just not enough contact time and it's not sterilizing anything. If it's too slow, then you're really not getting the water column or the entire water amount as much as you should to like solve a larger problem, right? Yeah. 
And so if you're using a flow meter, like he said, uh, uh, Retro Reefs, thanks. Uh, if you're saying that, uh, then you probably need like an Apex or something, but like you don't actually need that. No. So we put one on here, we got a flow meter, I look at my phone and it'll tell me the exact flow rate, I can adjust yeah. it and whatnot, that's awesome. But uh, really what you can do is just take a bucket of water and let it flow into a one gallon bucket of water, time, time how long it takes, and you can figure out how many gallons an hour that is. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. Uh, or how many gallons, uh, how much water you get in a minute, and then multiply that by 60, and mm -hmm. that's how much water uh, it's doing. And it doesn't change that often. You just kind of change it, you know, check it every couple months or yeah, whatnot. Yeah, but it's close, make, it's close enough. You probably just clean your pumps instead of checking it after you get it the <laughs> first time, you know. But, uh, yeah, it'll be close enough. But, yeah, the, the point here is absolutely right. So let me show you another one here. How long uh, can you run a UV sterilizer? Uh, forever. Like 24-7. Yeah, you run and it. I, you have to run it all day long. Yeah. Like, otherwise, I shouldn't say have to, but, like, I would never consider not running it all day long. Yeah. Like, and then life of the tank, I mean, oh. just constantly. You can run it from the beginning to the end. And again, uh, some people will say don't turn it on in the beginning. I would absolutely not turn it on in the beginning if you're going to dump uh, some Dr. Tim's or some Microbacter in there. Mm. But uh, after I left that seed and, and uh, take care of the tank, I would absolutely run it from the beginning because I want to avoid all the problems that people have in the beginning and this would be a partial component of that strategy to achieve that. So when you when you were hooking up to your tank, would you what what would you method would you prefer? So on the 160, we piped it into the manifold off of the return no. pump. Uh, here behind us in these experiments, separate pumps. So I I I would much much prefer that the return pump went up through it to the tank mm. and, and not through the uh, off of the manifold because we end up kind of recirculating water in the sump that way to yeah. some degree, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's part of the reason why we got one that's like three times as big as we needed for that, that purpose. Okay. But, you know, like what I much, much prefer though is for all the water that enters the sump to get sterilized and then goes back into the tank. And actually some of the best uh, installs that we've actually seen is like this, where it's actually recirculating right in the tank, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, so the water goes through the sterilizers and pump right back in the tank. So, you know, if you're really nerding out on this, you could probably just put a couple of holes in the back of the tank that is just for a uh, closed UV. loop type UV. I, I, I'm going to do it actually. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, That's now that I said it out loud, closed like, loop, like, closed closed loop, loop UV, UV on the cool. 360. For those of you who don't cool. know, I announced that I'm uh, putting a 360 gallon tank in my house. <laughs> BRS 360. Oh, yeah, that'll be fun. Oh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so we're going to put that. I, I, I like that idea, man. I really like the closed loop because this is one of the best installations I've seen of this or uh, implementation is when you actually suck water out of the tank and goes right back in and doesn't get the stuff doesn't get caught in a fuge or anywhere else it's just water cycling right through the tank so cool uh, i you know we've got to call my tank guy man uh reef savvy's making my tank by the way uh and chris <laughs> benner is making the stand i gotta call him and tell me one one more hole the brs 160 <laughs> the brs 360 okay all right yeah uh, awesome man another question real quick this one's really interesting um will will uv kill the beneficial nutrients used by lps and sps so it could degrade some some things, uh, you know, faster than they normally would. And some bulbs mm -hmm. put off a little bit of ozone and stuff like okay. that. Uh, I don't think to a degree, man, that would the benefits uh, uh, like outweigh the the negatives right, here. Right, right, right. So like, uh, there's a lot of theoretical like uh, negatives, like like the copepot thing, maybe that thing. Uh, to it, it happens to a degree that would prevent your corals from uh, being happy. Absolutely not. There's too many implementations of UV sterilizers yeah. uh, that that has never happened to. I just I just don't believe that would. Some people's gut reaction is to blame the the equipment that they don't understand. Like maybe a UV sterilizer, oh. and well. maybe it's could be lights, could be flow, could be water parameters, could be all kinds of things. So I will tell you that. I, without fail, anytime something dies in the tank, it's the last thing you did. Yeah, exactly. Right? So the reality is, is sometimes that's true, but more times than not, it's actually there was a, this tank isn't stable and super happy to begin with. Mm. So any change is actually the thing that pushed that organism over the edge, right? Yeah. So positive, negative, whatever it was, any change in the chemistry was a stressful event that just pushed it over the edge, mm. uh, you know, so, Sometimes it's the last thing you did, but often that is actually that sends you down the wrong path. So okay, all right, uh, let's get a couple more, and then we'll move on. Um, Chip asks, he has a 
he has a question, I guess. Okay. Uh, he bought one from us of, oh, just over a month ago. Thanks, Chip. And guessing these, he's guessing his flow rate's too fast. What's a good way to install it? He has it online for the return in his sump. All right. So we kind of we kind of talked about that one a little bit, uh, where uh, Ryan's going to do the recirculating mm -hmm. the closed loop type system, but you know, like the 160 has it installed just kind of in this manner on the manifold. Yeah, but the manifold okay. you can control. And yeah, the, the 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 biggest thing is that, like you said, he thinks it flows too fast. Find a way to measure the flow, and like uh, you don't need the, uh, the Neptune. If you have one, then just get a flow meter. Uh, if you have a Neptune, get it and a UV sterilizer. Get buy, one. Go buy the flow meter yeah. immediately. It's uh, too cheap to not do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and plus you could use the other ports for leak detection and stuff like that too. Or, so. or get a get their auto top off and then get a flow meter. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like Ryan was talking about, fill up a fill up a bucket, like a five gallon bucket or a known volume type of uh, container for one minute. Multiply that by sixty. Do the math, and then figure out the flow rate and try to get in those those ranges for like the UV sterilizers. The UV sterilizer here, the range for algae uh, is like 380 to 700. So it's a decent window. So one of those things though with that 380 to the 700 is actually kind of considering bulb life in that, okay. in that mix. So like uh, 700 at maximum bulb life, mm. 380 uh, a year from now, right? Okay. Or nine months towards the end of the bulb life. So you like to kind of get somewhere in the middle or even towards the end, but also you got to consider the size of the tank and stuff that's rated yeah. for. So if you got a hundred gallon UV and a 50 gallon tank, you can probably go to the slower flow rates and get what you need. Uh, uh, it'll probably perform better than if you went faster because you get more contact time and you still have the turnover rate. Yeah. So the thing I think he's actually getting at here though is that you hooked it up to your return pump. That means that I can't turn it down yeah. unless, uh, unless I'm going to turn down my uh, the flow rate through my tank. And one of those things I'll just uh, ask you to go look at is most people are telling you some kind of like seven to ten times turnover your tank which uh, kind of is from a you know era where we were putting and you're calculating flow based off of the return partially right uh, that, that kind of era is like over since power heads are so easy to use now mm -hmm. I think a lot a lot of people are like turn three times turnover so one of the things that I do is just go look and see if you can turn down the flow rate or the turnover your pump to match the UV sterilizer if you can go ahead mm. remember the only thing that we're doing with through the sump is whatever filtrations in there I just need to uh, heat the water yep. filter the water and you know even at three times you know I'm probably filtering almost every bit of that water you know many dozens of times a day yeah so know? so if I set it to two times three times turnover and I find that my tank temperature is stable uh, with my heater in the sump and my display is unstable mm -hmm. then that's plenty enough turnover because yep. the filtration is going to be at adequate enough yep the skimmer has many 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 odd times again this isn't like a one single pass system right our flow rate really matters it's a closed loop so you just get many many passes at the same types mm. of you know particulates that you're trying to remove and uneaten food and whatnot yeah so uh, not as big of an issue uh, but yeah if that doesn't work man you might have to like plumb it off a little bit and so you know manifold it off put a T in there and allow some of the water to go back to the tank uh, without going through the, the sterilizer, but you absolutely have to pay attention to the flow rate through it or it won't work. There you go. All right. Michael uh, gave us a super chat, so oh, let's Michael, talk to thank him. You very Thanks, much. Mike. And we're looking at any reason to run a UV on a nano like Nuvo 30. So Nuvo 30 is not really a nano, 30 gallon tank, you know, okay. but yeah, and actually uh, uh, we have a 37 gallon tank over here. It's actually one of these things. Yeah. And part of what spurred uh, this experiment here is we were running into some dinos in one of them. That's right. And we threw on a little innovative marine uh, UV thing on it and uh, it was part of the solution, man. It was one of those things where you're like, oh, I wonder if that's really going to work. Boom, did. Yeah, so it, yeah, on that one we did, so it's a kind of a combo of the two is we took a, a, a reactor, like a media reactor. We put a we put a filter, like a sediment filter in there. Uh, so we can try to, like if you're blowing the dinos and stuff off the rocks, why not capture it while it's free floating and get it out of there? Mm -hmm. But the output of that reactor goes through that innovative marine sterilizer and now you're kind of like doing double duty. Yeah, so the ones that are going into that little filter can't re reproduce yeah. anymore. And uh, I will tell you that we went on a microscope and actually confirmed that they were dinos. So uh, we know we're talking about the real thing. <laughs> For sure. Uh, so yeah, so uh, yeah, absolutely uh, uh, an advantage to do it on there. And actually with a lot of those uh, uh, innovative marine and uh, the like uh, E-series tanks from, uh, Red, from Red Sea, the, mm -hmm. the all-in-one tanks, if you can incorporate something that they already kind of have a closed loop uh, design in there right. that you can just kind of put it in there. 
So uh, I will tell you, I was actually surprised by this one because you know, most of the time the small little UVs like don't really do a whole lot. And yeah. they're definitely not good enough for uh, like fish parasite to what I would believe. Mm -hmm. uh, but for this application, it works pretty good. And you know, you see a lot of things like a lot of gimmicky stuff. And again, like we mentioned earlier, these UV sterilizers are usually sold like a toy. Oh yeah. Right? So there's like the turbo twister, <laughs> right? Like, oh we have, yeah, if you think about it, like, oh, it's gonna have more contact time because it's spinning around this bulb. Mm -hmm. But it turns out, man, that 100 gallons in and 100 gallons out is the same damn contact time. Doesn't matter if it's spinning or doing loop-de-loops right. or backflips inside there, man. <laughs> right. uh, it doesn't do anything. It's just a gimmick. So if you see gimmicks, uh, expect uh, people to uh, lie to you and uh, mm -hmm. try to use gimmicks to sell you product. Not to say that they're ineffective 100%. So yeah, I, I just don't. I, I wouldn't uh, like if it says more, you're gonna get more, and you, it's a higher gallon rating because it has the twist in there. Probably not mm -hmm. so much, but I would just tell you gimmicks. I mean, so that the product may very well work, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but for me, gimmicks uh, that are easily so transparent that the average person can see through it means run, don't walk. Okay. Right? Go find somebody that else is like not willing to lie to you on the front uh, of the box. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, and give you uh, gimmicks as, as much as possible, man. So, uh, you know, maybe there's some, you know, valid reason as to twist in, but, you know, uh, I don't think there is. And it's certainly not due to contact time, like some of them say. So, yeah. uh, you know, move on. But all I right. see a really good question uh, sitting here in the middle. It's Shane. Uh, are two smaller UVs same as a larger unit? Oh, uh, the, other, the other one, Dave. He's got two questions in there, but. Uh, are two smaller UVs the same as a larger unit? You haven't pulled it out yet, Dave. That's right. Yeah. So Sorry are two that. state UVs the same as one larger unit? And, uh, do you know the answer to this question? I don't know the answer, but... Yeah, so actually, uh, that is one of the ways that uh, em or, uh, Pantera now, used to be Emperor Aquatics. Oh, they uh, had the dual they had, chamber. They had dual chambers, oh, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it would yeah. go in one, split out, and go out through two, right? Okay. And so absolutely, that is a you know functional way to do it. So sense. if you had two return lines, per se, you could put it on both of them if you wanted to, uh, instead of having one giant one. So then you just... Uh, so say one small one was rated for uh, 100 gallons. If I put another one on there, now I'm at a 200 gallon capacity. Could mm -hmm. I do that math? Yeah, basically. I mean, provided you're getting the right turnover on it, right. and like uh, there might be, you might want to ask the manufacturer a little bit on each one of these. But I've definitely seen many implementations where, uh, rather than getting a super super strong bulb, which these bulbs only go up to a certain uh, like, like 50 watts or 90 watt uh, high output, and after that, man, mm -hmm. actually get into these really really expensive options. So running multiple lamps ends up being, you know, sometimes a better option mm -hmm. than getting into the super expensive. Of, okay. uh, options. All right. So, hey, uh, we should keep answering questions here, but we're going to go over to the experiment that's right behind us. Let's do it. Right on. So, uh, uh, we got three of them. I mean, you guys can see what's kind of going on here. There's mm. UV sterilizers on one, two, three, four tanks. Four tanks. No, UV six. sterilizers. Six oh, tanks. well, there's six tanks in the experiment. Four of them have sterilizers. Oh, there you go. So, uh, what are we looking for here? Basically. So, what I want to get past is like nobody's going to ever answer the uh, answer to the fish thing, you know, in a way that ever stops the conversation. But like this seems to some com stuff that it, like is you know maybe even more useful to the average reefer okay. who's looking to not run into the same kind of issues over and over again, especially those who want to avoid the hardest years. You know, in the first yeah. two years of that tank is going to run through all kinds of deep stabilizing events. Let's try to avoid some of those things or make them easier to beat back in the beginning, yeah. right? And so uh, what we're going to do is we got six tanks and uh, two of them down there uh, have brand new rock in it. So this is rock that we just pulled off the shelf. You know, it's dry uh, Marco Reef Saver rock, okay. right? Uh, and we're going to run one of them at the protozoa rate. Right. Okay. The so, slower rate. Yeah, the slower. Pro, it's like slow six rate. times slower, like 50 gallons an hour, and the other super one's slow. like 600 or 300. Yeah. Right. Yep. 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 Okay. So the super slow, 50 gallons an hour. We're gonna we're gonna run it, and then the other one we're gonna run at the 300 gallons an hour, which is six times faster. The algae so rate. The protozoa one, like ick and uh, velvet, all that kind of stuff, and then the other one, which is made for algae and bacterial issues. Okay. Right. Yep. We're going to get pure play, just visual op observation, right? So does this thing, you know, end up with cyano? Does it end up with uh, 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 dinos? Guess what? 
we're gonna go today, and I'm gonna go scoop some dianos, uh, or dinos, uh, and some cyano and other things out of <laughs> tanks around here. And I'm gonna make a little slurry, and I'm gonna dose it to the tank. Wow! Right? So we're gonna make sure that those things are present in the tank, and then see if they populate the surface and then cause problems. Right? Wow! Yeah. All right. That's exciting. So the ones that are right behind me, these ones are actually tanks uh, rock that has been sitting in that container probably for two years. Okay. So there's a live uh, skimmer testing system that's over here. It's got tons of frags in it, coral frags, like, I don't know, it's like an eight foot by four foot tank over there, and then it has a whole ton of rock in it. So we took rock out of that guy right there. So this is well, 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 well cycled rock that should be able to fight mm -hmm. off uh, other, you know, parasitic uh, type uh, bacteria and uh, doing the same thing. One of them is at like 50 gallons an hour, the other one's like 300, the protosoda rate, and then the algae and bacteria rate. And then over here, we have the exact two more tanks over here, and uh, this one's got new rock in it, and one of them's got old rock in it, but neither one no of them easy. have UV in it. So like, you know, we're gonna see repeatable results amongst a variety of different things, you know, with new rock, old rock, running the UV at different rates. Yeah. And uh, we're gonna share with you our journey. So I can tell you already that like anecdotally, uh, I've seen all these things uh, happen in the, you know, 60 tanks that are running here over and over again. Okay. Uh, are we gonna run into, you know, bacterial blooms and stuff in these bare bottom tanks? Uh, we'll get answers to those questions and then we'll be able to share them, you know, visually with you guys. Is it one 100% peer-reviewed science? No. no, but I'm not attempting to do that either. What we're just trying to do is uh, do the best of our ability is uh, do an actual mm -hmm. experiments and then share with you the results of them uh, and just continue the conversation as we learn more and more about what we're doing, adding data points into yeah. the conversation, but more importantly, like data points that are actually transparent and shared, you know, good results, bad results, you get to see, yeah. right? Uh, and then repeat them, you know, turn them off, start over, do it again, see what happens. I mean, so you, a lot of the a lot of the information that we get anyway on the forums and on the, the groups and all this other stuff, it's all anecdotal, but it's sort of anecdotal in the way that uh, it's one person and maybe one or two tanks in their house and then you get enough people with their one tank where they've experienced this and this. Like not everybody gets a chance to set up six tanks and do the exact same thing in each six tanks. So from a little more scientific than maybe uh, mm -hmm. polling like six or seven different people. Well, so polling people and talk about it afterward means I shared the results I got, right. right? Which is totally, totally, totally different than saying, this is how we're gonna approach this problem. Mm -hmm. We're gonna show the results good or bad, right? Totally different thing. Yeah. Because most people will share you the results afterward, but the people that failed, they're not around to tell you. You know, <laughs> right. like they're not around. So you don't get to see that, that there's tons and tons of chunks of the conversation that are just completely missing if you just go ask afterward. However, if you take a half dozen tanks, you know, uh, and then follow the progress of each of them, and if you see repeatable results, you can build a compelling story mm -hmm. that uh, is, hey man, we watch this from the beginning, there's accountability to the fact that uh, uh, we're gonna show it to you regardless of what we see. So you had mentioned, I kind of want to bring this up because I'm looking at the plumbing pipe job on this thing, and you had mm -hmm. mentioned that uh, a lot of people install them incorrectly, or mm -hmm. they're all, sometimes, a lot of times, they're installed incorrectly. So is it a vertical thing, horizontal thing type thing we're talking about? Everything about these things is installed incorrectly all the time. Okay. Right? Uh, it's because they're big. So by the way, I mean, this thing is the smallest one that we sell, and it's uh, 18 inches long. It's tall, right? yeah. It's big. It's hard to fit underneath a cabinet and whatnot, but it needs to be big to work, yeah. you know? It has to be installed in a very specific manner. So you don't want it to be full of air. So if you like, if you feed water like from your overflow down it, 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 it bubbles like air. it bubbles will get in there. And even if it doesn't get bubbles, it may trap you know just air in there for half of it, right? And it's trickled down. You need to feed it from the bottom, bottom to make sure that it's always full of uh, water. Are there like some really unique scenarios we could do it the other way? Probably, but are they failable? Almost certainly. <laughs> Uh, the other thing you can do is mount it horizontally and pump water in and then it will come back out. In that case, air doesn't get trapped in there mm -hmm. as well. Right. Uh, you probably want, if you could, like a tiny little slope to one end or the other. Keep that know, air bubble. The There's going to be a pocket. Yeah. Uh, uh -huh. So get as much of the air out of there as humanly possible. There's actually like a visual window on the end where you can actually mm -hmm. see a, a lot of that. So 
Super, super, super important that it's mounted in a manner that doesn't get air in it. Right. Super important that uh, you are matched it to your tank. So if the sterilizer doesn't give you very, very distinct flow rates that it's supposed to be designed to be used with and uh, a very distinct uh, size tank, uh, don't use it uh, because they don't know and if they don't know you won't know either mm -hmm. they, they have to be able to tell you how to use the product to be successful and that's the other part of this personally I would just skip the hobby toy ones and I would buy the ones that the uh, aquaculture you know yeah. uh, 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 business uses that's the Pentair one so for those of you who don't know that's like a big aquaculture business and so uh, actually they're into water they're into like all, all every kind of water, water globally yeah. so uh, I would absolutely use one that is designed to use in a business environment where success means money uh, because that means people are proven that it actually works cool so uh, uh, yeah uh, that, those are the, some of the biggest things man flow rate and getting the size right getting the uh, air out and getting the air out of it uh, is the, probably the biggest thing. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, we've got tons of questions tons here. Tons of questions. Let's so, start uh, we might as well just yeah, shoot through them. I have a 90 gallon tank. How big do I need a UV? I think this 18 watt, That's I just go on. Yeah, that I, one's rated for 100, I think. Yep. So, yeah. So, I just go on to the website, and uh, all of the uh, uh, Pentair ones have a very distinct uh, size that they're rated for. I yeah. would believe it, and I would not feel the need to get one that's bigger than it says. Right. Could you get one bigger? Yes, and it won't probably harm anything. So, uh, it probably won't be a bad maneuver to get big, but you don't, don't feel the need to. Uh, right. These things, again, are not a toy like a you know like a skimmer or whatnot that's rated for some mysterious amount of gallons these mm -hmm. things are designed for a very specific purpose and they know the turnover that's required to do it in that size uh, range so i would feel comfortable getting the right the right size for the right job cool uh, are there any led versions out there uv led versions like light bar so my understanding and and this is a very limited understanding so i i haven't seen one and i think it's because real UV LEDs uh, are really expensive mm. and below it, 380 yeah. below 400 nanometers yeah, in the range that they use for yeah. this thing which yeah. I, I think is maybe even all the way down to like 320 yeah I think they're really expensive uh, and uh, I, I I haven't seen one in our market and given the you know availability of, of UV sterilizers and, and LEDs I can't imagine why they wouldn't have transferred here yet mm. so I mean even with you know you said you call it UV uh, on your uh, lights but for the most part it's actually like violet yeah, yeah it, it's near UV is what it is so getting into real ultraviolet light uh, I think it's just probably cost prohibitive in many cases especially you know the nature of uh, the, the you know it's like a fluorescent tube yep. looking shape of a light and so you're getting that contact time you know over the full length of this uh, you know yeah. bulb you know getting the same kind of effect out of LEDs uh, is probably just not cost they're cost so directional yeah you'd have to put them all over the same type of circle or cylinder types and you'd have to put in a heat solution mm -hmm. you know they probably generate a lot of heat oh, yeah. at that yeah. energy wave you know length so hmm. I, I, I don't I don't. I haven't seen one. So, will you see one? I think those are some of the challenges. Cool. All right. Uh, hey, by the way, what's coming up at the end? I mean, we're gonna hold it. Oh yeah, don't forget. We're gonna call it already in an hour. So we got 17 or 17 minutes. We're giving away that 500. Bucks. We still got 500 bucks to give away. All right. How often do you change the bulb, and how do you know if your bulb needs to be changed? I think it's Fair every question. nine months. Yeah. Right? I mean, uh, they have again the explicit instructions on flow rates and sizes and bulb changes too. So at one point, the flow rate, they actually rated the thing out of the box at 50% uh, bulb life. Okay. Uh, and so that in the beginning, you'd actually be over that. Mm. Uh, I'd have to check now and see whether or not that's still the case or is it just within that uh, range. But that flow range uh, that you have in there, I believe is related to bulb life. So you know, the lower end just kind of assumes the bulb is old yeah. uh, and the high end assumes new. But in that case, I would always assume it's old because it's going to get old uh, <laughs> and you want it to work. So, all right. Uh, all right, man. How many watts does a UV sterilizer need to be to be effective? All right. So there's actually like a, hmm. some kind of equation for this. And I, I don't know it offhand, but 
It's you our know, smallest like, one is 18 watts, right? Yeah. And then the biggest one is like 30, 40. There's watts. a measurement of the UV that comes off of the thing versus contact time for the organism versus whatever. I don't know it, but I would just expect the manufacturer to have done that math for you. And if they haven't done for you, then they probably don't know. There you uh, go. So uh, then they're probably selling a toy instead of uh, an actual uh, solution. All right. What? Uh, okay. So I would nail a couple of these. So yeah. uh, we had uh, what flow rate would you recommend? Again, I'm just going the one in the box. Yep. You know, so it designed this thing to achieve a very specific uh, uh, purpose. So the thing will actually say on there how long you should do it. And if yours doesn't, then I'd go to another one that's a similar uh, wattage and size and just uh, steal it from a company that actually did give you that mm. information. Yeah, uh, Reefhax was wondering what brand we're recommending for UV and why. And uh, right now, it's the Pentair stuff. Yeah. Because uh, that's what they do. This is what they do, like yep. water treatment, water uh, UV sterilization for on probably way bigger applications than what we use it for in the mm -hmm. aquarium hobby. So. So it used to be called Emperor Aquatics, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, the reason that I picked it up to begin with is because uh, there was a family here that uh, used it in their koi ponds. Right? Oh yeah. And so by koi ponds, I mean, it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. These kids uh, were homeschooled uh, and they were like 14 years old, man. And their parents made them start their own business. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah, and so uh, what they did is they built these giant cement indoor ponds. I mean, there must have been each one of them. I can't imagine how many thousands of gallons each one. They were all filled with koi and them and their kids went to uh, Japan and uh, they bring back all of these koi, thousands of them wow. right here in Minnesota. And they were the distributor for Emperor Aquatics. And so that was like my first encounter. They're part of the local uh, reefing club as well. Hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm one of those. Right? And the more research and more research I did, it's like, this is what all of, you know, like it was like, they used to have a whole list, like, you know, Georgia University and like, oh, like yeah. so many different places that use this thing. Uh, so like, well, I mean, if I'm going to use it, I'm going to use the one that, uh, oh, yeah. like the, the, the large, large, large scale aquarium. Zoos and yeah, uh, scientists and everything you use. So uh, ultimately though, you, you do the research and then uh, Pentair, you know, like probably the leader in like almost every water filtration known to man, uh, actually bought them and now they, it's now a Pentair uh, UV filter. So uh, sterilizer. So I would absolutely use the Pentair ones. Are there ones out there that are just as good? Probably. Yeah. I think Aqua, Aqua oh. uh, Ultraviolet or something makes one. It's like a white version, pretty similar. It yeah. probably works as well. But uh, it's I, a lot of small menu, smaller manufacturer type ones too, like these innovative marine ones for oh, yeah. small tanks and stuff that yeah. seem to be effective. From I was surprised, from yeah. What we've so experienced. The Innovative Marine at one absolutely worked on uh, the 37-gallon, or I guess it's 45 gallons total water mm -hmm. volume of the E170 uh, Red Sea tank. So, yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right, what else we got? Uh, if water is crystal clear even without socks or mesh, would you advise to still use UV? I mean, so... Uh, uh, it's different types of filtration we're talking about, or it's different types of things that we're talking about here. like. The stuff that mesh and filter sucks, the, the particulates that that pulls out, the detritus, the that type of, uh, versus maybe that's bacterial, which a filter sock isn't going to remove. You know, like, uh, so it's just another filter on the tank, right? And so, like, like every single filter, like, uh, I was, uh, you know, researching one of the scripts uh, yesterday, like, do you need a protein skimmer? Mm -hmm. The answer is no, you don't. Right? Uh, you do not need a protein skimmer to have a successful reef tank. And I can give you dozens and dozens of examples, oh, yeah. including the 293 in the showroom of uh, WWC. Yeah. That one, right? So, like, you don't need one. Do most people run one? Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, it's because it has advantages. So the advantages here, man, like, uh, am I going to be able to keep my water clean? Am I going to keep it, you know, uh, reduce the chances of, uh, you know, fish getting disease, especially if I don't have uh, other really solid tactics? Uh, am I going to prevent issues like cyano and dinos or help treat them uh, before they get out of control? Yeah, if you don't have any of those issues and you don't have $300 burning a hole in your pocket, then skip it, man. Like, don't do it. Uh, if you uh, are, are a gear junkie and you want to prevent yourself from those things, then yeah, get one. You know, but don't feel like compelled, like somebody's twisting your arm. If you don't have one, you're a bad pedo. <laughs> Uh, and part of the thing is, is like, uh, if I, I, I said this to you earlier, yeah. like if, if I had two, you know, $20 clownfish and that was all I was going to my tank, would I buy a $300 filter for it? 
now? Personally, Probably no. not, no. right? Uh, if it's now year 15 and I have the same clownfish that I had from my first tank, uh, his name is Scotty and he's part <laughs> of my family, all right, man, like that was a $20 fish, but like he's now a pet and part of my family and he could live to 30. Yeah. So if I'm gonna transfer him to a larger tank or if I'm gonna add other fish to this thing, now is it worth 300 bucks? For 30 years? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I've had cats and dogs that cost 10 times that much. You know? <laughs> for so, sure. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, like, uh, I don't know, man. It's just up to you and your own individual thing, man. Don't let anybody tell you right or wrong. Just kind of evaluate for yourself, you know, the things that you care about and uh, your own budget, size of tank, and your own pets. Make a decision that uh, fits yours. And that's the assessment. You won't make the wrong one. Uh, you know, you'll make the right one just because you evaluate it for yourself rather than listen to other people. All right. Uh, instead of uh, you having a UV bulb contained in a tube, would it be viable to place UV in a uh, compartment and have the water pass through this similar flow? So, so like possibly, one of the chambers of the refugium. Possibly, but the thing about the tube is you can ensure that it's within range of the bulb. Right, so you know this guy is a certain size. You know, it's it's like you know three inch tube for a purpose. So it's way within one and a half inches of the bulb at all times, right? And so, like for instance, we have on the 160 like a stubbier guy, and it, it's a high output bulb, which allows it to go farther. And because right. of that, it's like a five and a half inch tube or mm -hmm. something, right? Okay. So I mean, you could just like essentially put a bulb in there that was waterproof, and it would maybe do something but what I would say is don't do that you're wasting your money uh, I would go and uh, just get the right solution or the right tool for the right job ten minutes before we right. close her up and draw a $500 winner all right man I, I kind of like the suspense of giving this stuff with yeah the I know yeah, I know his name <laughs> oh, do you? I, I don't even know the name yet all right a UV will cure bacterial infection on your acros so it won't kill anything on, on anything so right. anything that is living currently on something it will not help with that nah. will it help with the spread of that possibly right will it have prevented that from the beginning possibly right okay. so if there was just uh, some kind of small source of this thing to begin with like would it uh, absolutely or would it would it reduce the chances of spreading and the word reduce is I'm super, super comfortable saying. To what degree really depends on the proximity of the corals, your system design, what it is, and all this other stuff, mm -hmm. right? So like uh, reduce, I will absolutely say treat, uh, almost no, no no chance at all. Okay. All right, let's shoot another one. Uh, will UV light that goes in the sump, oh, will a UV light that goes in the sump work? I think sort of along the same lines, maybe this is like a submersible Well, if you were recirculating through the sump, no. So the answer like is if I uh, set it in the sump and it went and I was feeding from the bottom, filling it back up and just letting it pour back in. Yep. And I will tell you this, uh, you know, uh, UV is like one of those un, uh, less understood things and you learn more about everything. And so back in the day when we set up the 160 in like 2014 or 15 mm -hmm. or whatever, we decided to run it off the manifold and it kind of like comes out the return pump and goes through. All the way back to the I sump. think we bypassed, uh, you know, the way these things are supposed to work. Uh, and because of that, in some cases, it didn't get as good a results as it could have. Now again, we intentionally made it, you know, three times stronger. Like that thing is rated for like 450 gallons or something, mm -hmm. or at least 350, and this thing's only 160 gallons. Mm -hmm. So in our thought process is like, well, we have accounted for that. But I think better than the trying to account for that is just do it right from the beginning. So if I had to do it over again, I would have probably two return pumps and one of them would be set for the right amount and it would recirculate through the tank. Okay. Now, you know, on, over on YouTube though, you haven't pulled over yet, Dave, at the top, Ryan uh, has a really, had a good point uh, here. Ryan he says, yeah, he says UV bulbs will, uh, possibly, I'm not, I can't say will for sure, but destroy certain plastics in acrylic and mm -hmm. may also be like a hazard to your eyes. So yeah. this whole, you know, stick it in uh, just a bulb inside of the thing uh, or in, in your baffles or something like that in your sump, definitely from a safety standpoint. Thank you, Ryan. And I'm just going to stop this conversation right in the middle. There of it. you go. Like, for all the ways of just sticking a bulb in your sump, stop it. Don't, don't do it. There you like, go. You're, uh, you're not doing it the way that it's designed to be done. 
do it the way it's designed to be done or don't do it all. There you go. Like this is a filter that will not work if it's improperly done. You yeah. can do it improperly installed skimmer and it will still skim yep. to some degree. Yeah. Every other improperly done uh, uh, filter sock that bypasses a little bit, it'll, it'll still, still do some. This thing will have no use almost if you do it poorly. So like either do it right or don't do it at all. And that is part of the equation of getting past the does it work or doesn't work thing is do it right and uh, you'll have much higher success. If you do it wrong, assume failure. And Thanks, right. actually waste of time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, hey, Jaden wants to know how he enters the raffle. Oh, hey, all you gotta do is become a preferred reefer. And at the end this time, man, we're gonna have a little link for it. I'll point at it or something. Yeah. And uh, it won't be here, but it will be here later. Uh, but it, you can go to anywhere on the website and just become a preferred reefer. And it, at that case, after you do that, all you need to do is add 500 bucks worth of stuff to your wish list mm. or buy something. In either case, uh, we refund one of those guys every week. So there you go. Kelly wants to know what pump we're using uh, to power these UV sterilizers to achieve effective flow rates. So I think it's a CJ 5.0. Yeah, they got changed to CJ 5.0s um, mainly because of the head pressure height of going down, mm -hmm. uh, coming out and down and back through, fill all the way back up. It's a pretty big drop, probably about like three feet or so uh, from out out of the pump and back. So there's on the slower flow rate one, it's CJ 3.5s. Because for oh. the protozoan level, we were able to reach the effective flow rate uh, with a smaller pump, but right. larger pump for the higher. So we use the CHA pumps all the time. Just that AC pumps like this are super, super reliable that the uh, uh, tolerances on them are much uh, looser than DC pumps. Mm. Uh, in a home, uh, made DC pumps are like the quietest thing known to man, uh, but like uh, in this case, uh, AC pumps, I don't hear them or anything. There's no noise, but like, that's the big, big advantage. Other than that, most people just need to turn them on to a certain flow rate. And in this case, you know, we're just gonna adjust them with a gate valve on the top there, and then we'll look on our apex and it'll tell us the exact flow rate because we put the flow meter on it. Yeah. All right. A couple uh, more. All right, a couple more. You know, this is like turning out perfect. We got three minutes left and three questions. <laughs> two all questions. Right, right. We just answered oh, Kelly's. Oh, two questions. Okay, what's the next one? Is uh, UV compatible with a refugium? So absolutely, so the refugium is like two things, right? One mm -hmm. is microfauna and the other one is uh, pulling out uh, like nutrients and whatnot. Right. There's no reason you can't use a UV with catomorph uh, uh, or really any other type of refugium that way. Yeah. In terms of uh, will it, you know, you remove some of the microfauna that goes from the tank, uh, from the sump back to the tank? The answer is some it will, all it won't. And uh, like the goal, I mean like, I've seen people like, you know, they, they get the filter sock and they're like trying to save every last every couple pot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, dude, there's so many more in the tank than you could ever Just imagine. Take a look at night. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if you're worried about saving every last life in the tank, I mean, every copa pod, man, I don't know how you're going to sleep at night because <laughs> uh, there's tons of them dying every day. Fish are eating them all day long. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, to some degree, but that wouldn't prevent me from solving other issues because it won't be the reason I'm not successful with my future. Cool. All right, last one. Is uh, it? All right. Is the bottom line here? Uh, is the bottom line here? It's worth having a UV on any tank if it's in the budget. Is that the bottom line? Man, solid, dude. I, I like. I really. That, I, I, I like. Just, it out. I just like. That's a perfect Matthew. way to end it. Yeah, well Matthew, done. man. Thank you very much. So yeah, the answer is for me, for sure. I'm, I'm going to talk about myself, like uh, my own tanks, not advice for anybody else. So I'm going to do a lot of bare bottoms from here on out. There's a whole bunch of other reasons I'll tell you about that. And there's no scenario where I am not going to put a uh, UV on it because I don't want to. I want to solve tons and tons of those problems, and I just like don't want to see them in my house while they're happening right. uh, and so the fact that it's beneficial to uh, the fish and whether or not it will help me prevent uh, other issues down the line uh, all the way it's What's just the investment and it, another filter on the tank that has a really low failure rate meaning like there's not a lot that will happen from adding this piece of technology to the tank if it doesn't work yeah. right right yeah. like uh, you know, there's stuff that you can put on your tank like ozone or whatnot that if it goes bad, it goes really bad. Yeah. In this case, man, like what the bulb is, uh, you know, like runs out of juice. I don't know. Just replace only, it. Only thing would be, I guess, it leaks or something. But like really low likelihood of uh, uh, being bad, negative for the tank. 
uh, definitely has, uh, I've seen with my own eyes in enough instances now to say that it has a definite positive to the tank. So as long as I had 300 bucks or whatever it costs to implement it, I would absolutely do it. I'd personally do it in the beginning during the system design phase, which is my favorite part of the whole thing, uh, rather than yeah. trying to incorporate it later. If you do want to do it later and you don't have the 300 bucks now, Think about the plumbing for it at least now. Like, hey, maybe I'll do this later right, date. Right. Like, maybe I should put a little port off the side here where this would, you know, happen, so that you're not redesigning your system at a later date. Hey, speak. And before we get to, okay, we're about to talk about this $500 winner here. But before we get to that, speaking of designing and the plumbing, I gotta give a shout out to Aaron. Oh yeah, Aaron. I gotta give a shout out to Aaron on this. Like, when you guys see the video, the first video on this one. Uh, and you see, I mean, you can kind of see how gorgeous this is in Neptune orange, but uh, yeah. those brackets are are printed himself, and they are solid and better. The uh, the best solution to mounting a UV stair lighter I've is, seen. Yeah, mounting it is a pain in the butt. So, yeah. like, they have some of these uh, clip clamp things, but they're like eighty bucks a piece. Oh yeah, they're yeah, super crazy. Expensive. So this is super nice. Also, uh, if you guys run RO tube around your house, uh, I wish he was in here somewhere. Uh, Aaron actually also does these little RO clips that we have on our website that yeah. you can screw in and run really straight, neat lines with your RO tubing. Uh, we're gonna showcase is, them one day. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're gonna showcase later. them. All right, drum roll please here. All right, we got Eric Reed from uh, Apolka, Florida for five, 485 bucks and 83 cents. Uh, and if you want to win uh, right now, it won't show up, but at some point right here, right there, somewhere, a little box is going to show up with Dave. He's going to put it in there to become a preferred reefer. Yeah. He'll probably throw up like a fun video too or something like that. Cool. But he won a PM2 Salinity Module Neptune uh, FMK Flow Monitoring Kit. Oh, wow. Yeah, cool. I remember. Interesting. Uh, uh, lab, I mean, did you just pull this one out because of that thing? Just it happened. Sure, random. Sure seems like that. Uh, lab grade conductivity salinity probe for Neptune systems. Uh, Neomarine salt from Brightwell Fox. Sweet. I gotta tell you, I've seen that thing pop up way more often, man. Uh, that thing really punk came in as like a sweet spot of like between the super expensive clean yeah. and the affordable clean. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. That's pretty. I think they're pretty happy probably being there. And the reverse osmosis membrane clips. Uh, you got a few Putting of those. What an oddball thing for that. Cool. All right. Awesome, man. Uh, congratulations. If you want to win? Become a reaper. Hit that button that shows up somewhere around here. That one. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Take care, guys.